I'm Mark Farrell, and today you'll hear my story on San Francisco People. I'm Frank Garza, and welcome to San Francisco People. On today's show, I'm interviewing Supervisor Mark Farrell, who represents District 2 on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. And for you guys listening who maybe don't live in San Francisco and aren't familiar with the Board of Supervisors, that's the legislative branch of the city and county of San Francisco. And it has 11 different members, and each of them are elected positions uh, based on the district where uh, that person lives. Supervisor Farrell represents District 2, which covers a big portion of the northwest side of the city. It includes neighborhoods like the Presidio, the Marina, Cow Hollow, Pacific Heights, Presidio Heights on the Vista, Laurel Heights, Jordan Park, the Lake Street Corridor, Seacliff, and then parts of Russian Hill. So it's, it's a pretty sizable district. And for this interview, I got to do something a little bit different. Um, all the previous episodes I've recorded in my home studio, which also happens to be my dining room. But for this episode, I got to take a field trip down to City Hall and talk with Supervisor Farrell there. And that was a really fun experience. I'd never been inside City Hall before. If you guys haven't been, you should go check it out. Um, I've always liked the outside of City Hall and how the, the, you know, the big dome is lit up at night. I've always thought that's really beautiful. And when you walk in the front door of City Hall, um, you're pretty much standing underneath that dome uh, right away. And then if you keep walking, there's this marble staircase that leads up to the second floor. And at the top of the staircase right now is this, I don't know, 20, 25-foot Christmas tree that's all lit up. Um, so it, it looks really great. I made my way up the stairs, um, went down the hall to where the supervisors sit. I found Supervisor Farrell's office. And um, we did the interview in there. And I really enjoyed hearing Supervisor Farrell's story. He's a native San Franciscan. He has a ton of work experience in the private sector. He even co-founded a venture capital firm a number, a number of years ago. And in 2010, when he ran for the Board of Supervisors, he was a big underdog. And uh, he pulled off the upset, so I enjoyed hearing his story about that. But I think what I enjoyed the most from our conversation was the guy loves San Francisco. I mean, he is really passionate about the city. He loves living here. And just wait until you hear his initial reaction when I asked him how he would spend his last day in San Francisco if he ever had to move away. Let's go talk to the supervisor. So on the Board of Supervisors, you represent District 2, and I know you have roots there going all the way back to your childhood. Can you talk about those roots? Yeah, that's right. I was fortunate not only to be born and raised here in San Francisco, but born and raised in District 2. I grew up in the Marina District. That's the same home where my parents live today. And my wife and I now live in Jordan Park, uh, close to Laurel Village with our three children, um, and very fortunate to have you know great grandparents who are very active. So we're still down uh, back in the home that I grew up in quite often. Yeah. What was it like growing up in the marina? 
you know, it was, it was great, but it was a lot different than it is today and what people perceive the marina to be today. When I grew up in the marina, it was much more of a working class neighborhood. Um, I was one of three children that I knew of my age in the hmm. marina, which is hard to believe right now. I spent a lot of time, actually all summers and every day, uh, growing up at Moscone Playground. It was called Funston back then with, with some neighborhood uh, kids. Um, but it, the face of the marina and really the feel of it really changed after the 89 earthquake. Uh, a lot of the elderly people moved out uh, and were replaced by quite a younger generation. And now you have, you have a bit of a mix, uh, much more so compared to when I grew up. Right. So I did a podcast recently on the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake and uh, the story of what happened in the marina that day. And so I understand you were there that day in the marina. You helped kind of put the fires out. Um, can you share your story from that day? Sure. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were, I was with my mother and a friend of mine. It was my freshman year in high school. I was going to school at St. Ignatius in the sunset, and we were coming back from football practice, and we were at the produce market at 22nd and Irving. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden the car started to shake. Um, my mom thought it was my friend who was our offensive, biggest offensive lineman on the team, thought he was <laughs> shaking the car. And um, he said, Mrs. Farrell, it's not me. And we started to see the sidewalk crack in front of us. Oh, no. And quite frankly, in the sunset, there wasn't certainly nearly as much damage as was in the marina. And when we drove home and made a right-hand turn on Baker Street coming off Marina Boulevard and, and what was then Doyle Drive, we started to see what had happened in the marina with the homes, you know, falling into the street, the corner apartment buildings caving in on themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and so we came home and my father was over in Oakland at his law firm, as law practice. Uh, we didn't hear from him for about 48 hours, it was the day well before cell phones. And so we were stuck without electricity, without water. Um, and so we all pitched in, in the neighborhood, bonded together. We helped pull hoses. We helped, you know, we helped do whatever we needed to do. Um, I think it's probably a stretch to say help put out the fires, but you know, everybody came together to be as helpful as possible. Um, right. it was an extraordinary time. After receiving your bachelor's degree, um, in Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles, um, you went to University College Dublin in Ireland to get your master's. What was it like living in Ireland? And was that an important part of your growth, I guess, growing up? I think so. I, it was an amazing year, year and a half that I spent over there. You know, I was fortunate. My, my mother is from Germany. And so I spent a lot of time growing up back home on the farm where my mom grew up in, in Germany, spent a lot of summers there. Um, so I've loved traveling and been able to travel since I was very little. Um, and this was a little bit of a continuation of that. In college, I played baseball and it was a Division One school. So we were a year round playing ball. Didn't have the opportunity to travel as much as I would have wanted to. So this was a great, great time period to, to get some work done and to learn and to be exposed to a different culture, certainly a different political system and, and what was happening up in Northern Ireland at the time. Uh, amazing from a from a global perspective and then also quite frankly before going to law school having some time to to grow and uh, be in a different country feel a little bit uncomfortable um, and, and I think that was incredibly helpful and I had a blast made great friends long-lasting friends um, and something and memories I'll carry with me forever right now I think one thing that makes you stand out versus a lot of um, other elected public officials is you have a ton of work experience in the private sector. Uh, you were an attorney, you did some investment banking, yep. but then you went and started your own company. 
Uh, can you talk about that company and, and what made you want to become an entrepreneur? Well, we started a venture firm, so started an investment firm uh, here in San Francisco. And, you know, quite frankly, since I was a summer associate uh, at the law firm I worked at down at Wilson Sonsini in Palo Alto, which is an amazing firm and um, certainly was and still is the biggest law firm down in Silicon Valley, got to work with great entrepreneurs and colleagues and learned so much in the three years I was there as a lawyer, um, but realized I didn't want to do that for the rest of my career. Um, went into finance as an investment banker, similarly had a great time at Thomas Weisel Partners, learned so much, um, but always wanted to be on the investor side and um, had the opportunity to start a firm with uh, some people that and acquaintances that I had gotten to know uh, that are now my partners and mm-hmm. have really enjoyed that, uh, that profession, if you will. Um, still continue to do that uh, outside of City Hall. Um, and whenever... I exit stage left in politics. I look forward to doing that, you know, a thousand percent of the time. Has, has that experience helped you connect with people in San Francisco in, in your current role as supervisor since it's such a hotbed of startups taking place in the city? I, I think my background in all three jobs, if you will, that I've really had formally as a lawyer, investment banker, and investor, certainly given the technology economy that's grown up in San Francisco over the past four years, um, it's, it is very helpful uh, to be able to have that dialogue with individuals. I know a lot of the entrepreneurs that have started what are now very, very successful companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being able to have that perspective and the, quite frankly, those relationships as well, they matter a lot in terms of getting things done, having people's opinions. Um, so it's, it's been incredibly helpful and, and I'm very thankful for it. So in 2010, um, you decided to run for the Board of Supervisors and you had never had an elected position before. That's right. Um, you were really unknown to local political insiders. You know, For the sure. Democratic leadership at the time uh, endorsed the other candidates, so you had a lot of odds stacked against you. Right. Um, Why did you decide to run for Board of Supervisors, and, and how did you pull off the big upset? That's a great question. Um, you know, for me, um, my wife and I had two children at that time, and we went through the typical discussion that a lot of young families have. Do we stay in the city? Do we move move outside into the suburbs? It's always has been. I always will be a very expensive place to live. It certainly is today. Um, and we decided to stay inside of the city. And, you know, I've always been one since high school, quite frankly, and being being educated by the Jesuits. You know, for me, the more you give back to your community and get involved, the richer your experience is. And so I've always been a not only a huge volunteer, but when I was a lawyer, I did so much pro bono work and, and so forth. And, you know, when, when I, we decided to stay inside the city of San Francisco, it was also looking around saying, okay, what else can I do within the city that I was lucky to be born and raised in? And now we're raising my children in. And I had a friend over one night and jokingly mentioned that the District 2 seat was open, if you will. Your friend mentioned this? No, or I mentioned, you mentioned it, it to, to him. him. Okay. Um, that it was open for the first time with no, it would not have an incumbent. And uh, he told me, he said, I, I think you're an idiot if you don't run. Yeah. And I, you know, I very much dismissed it. I always thought, look, politics would be great maybe later in life. Had no idea that I wanted to be an elected official for sure, but just to, just to be involved in it, I thought that would be great. Um, and, but later on in a career when you've been more successful and done, done a lot more things, 
but slowly and surely started talking to people about it. Um, and quite frankly, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Having not been involved in the circles and certainly ran against a very favored uh, opponent among a, a, a relatively crowded field. Um, and so, but once you get into a race, you go in with two feet. And, you know, from my perspective, I think I ran because one, I was sick and tired of what was happening inside of City Hall. It was the era of massive personalities throwing F-bombs at the Board of Supervisors meetings mm -hmm. and clashes. And it seemed less about getting work done for residents as opposed to promoting oneself. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, when the city of San Francisco shows up on the John Stewart show, it's not because they're applauding our efforts. It's because they're <laughs> mocking us. And, you yeah. know, as someone who grew up here and will always be here, that actually offended me. You know, <clears throat> we share certain values in San Francisco and other people might not agree with those values, but at a minimum, our city government should be taken seriously. And it wasn't at the time, in my opinion. And then also, to be quite frank, we had this massive budget deficit around $800 million a year, the year I was thinking about running. And some great people on the board of supervisors, but nobody had ever worked in the finance sector outside of City Hall. And <clears throat> I thought that that background would be able to add a lot of value to the dialogue inside of City Hall at the board of supervisors. I will say, having served as chair of the Budget and Finance Committee for the last two years, uh, I believe it has added a lot of value and a perspective. Um, and then again, when you get into the campaign, you jump in with all two, you know, with two feet and your family's feet and everybody else around you. And from, you know, my campaign was all about, you know, a grassroots effort, you know, neighbors that I grew up next to, friends from grammar school and high school, knocking on doors on weekends for over six months. Uh, we were able to do a decent amount of fundraising to stay competitive. Um, but, you know, barely anybody endorsed us. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, especially in local races like supervisor races, feet on the street, real passion, a great candidate and a story to tell can win the day. Um, you know, it was, again, it took over a year of campaigning to make that happen. We barely squeaked by. But I think we were only able to do it because of the type of campaign that we ran. Yeah, I think I read an article that your dad used to campaign for you outside of the Safeway in the marina. He did. Like pretty passionately. Very much so. I think he wouldn't let people uh, shop for their groceries unless they committed <laughs> to vote for me. I, you know, I will tell you, I cannot explain how many people during that campaign and since, even during my re-election campaign this year, would come up to me and say, you know what, I've never met you, but I met your father, and you've had my vote. Uh, it's just very, very powerful, and I'm so blessed to have such great parents and f other family members, but my dad at the Marina Safeway was certainly an institution that he repeated this year uh, during re-election, oh, um, and actually, I, I finally took a picture of the two of us in front of the Marina Safeway together uh, doing that. But you know, again, I think that speaks to exactly the type of campaign that we ran. Um, you know, I grew up literally since, you know, I could walk at the Marina Safeway before it became this hotbed of dating and, you know, all, <laughs> all what people perceive it to be today. I mean, this was simply my grocery store where I grew up. And so that, you know, my dad would be there, you know, talking to people about his son. Um, it was actually pretty natural within our family and it's just part of who we are and, and growing up there. Um, and so it, it was very special, it continues to be to this day. What were the early months like on the job? Was it was it challenging at all because you were considered kind of an outsider? Without a doubt. I think, 
you know, being an outsider is great and it has its issues. You know, it's great because you're not locked into the call the bureaucracy, the way things work. You can bring a different way of thinking, break some molds. I think that's very true. And I continue to try and have that perspective. I, I am one that believes the more time I spend outside of City Hall, the better. Uh, on the other hand, I think this job, like many others, is a lot about relationships. I didn't know the heads of the different departments that are very influential, not from a political sense, but from a, how they impact residents on a daily basis sense. Um, so building those relationships, understanding how our city government really worked, took a good six to nine months uh, of really double timing it in terms of, you know, my calendar, I would, I would come to the office in the morning and quite frankly weep sometimes at, at looking at, you know, 15 meetings of 30 minutes each just to mm -hmm. get to know people. Um, but, you know, if you spit out the back end of that, it's great. You can still have an outsider perspective, but also know people inside of city government. And now four years later, having worked with them on many different issues and projects and so forth, you know, feel, feel like we're in a great place inside of city hall. When you, when you look at your first term, mm -hmm. that's all, that's almost complete now. Right. Um, I know you've done a lot of good work, but if you had to think of, um, what are the few things that you're most proud of? your few accomplishments in this first term that you're most proud of, what would you say? You know, we've done a ton, especially in the district, um, and work with our neighborhood groups and commercial corridors outside of district two. I, I think the bigger issues that people would point to, and that I would as well, frankly, first of all, getting proposition a passed um, in 2013, that was a, a proposition that I authored. Uh, we had we have a four and a half billion dollar unfunded retiree health care liability in the city of San Francisco, and we had no plans to fund it. Um, it was costing is going to cost our city government about five hundred million dollars a year in discretionary funds. I put this ballot measure together, um, and you know got union and labor support as well as of course the business community, and uh, we're going to wipe that debt off our books in thirty years as a city um, and having authored that, you know, really that was a, a really tangible example of bringing my finance background to bear mm -hmm. inside of city hall and fixing a long-term issue. I think to me, that was something I'm very proud of. Um, second of all, passing Laura's law last year, the board of supervisors, uh, obviously it touches upon mental health as a topic, but certainly our homeless population as well. That's an issue that I've focused on quite a bit the last year and a half. And Laura's Law had been debated and talked about for years inside of City Hall. They couldn't even bring it to a vote before. And so not only getting it to a vote, but having it pass 9 to 2, um, I think to me was it was the policy of it, but also the politics and being really learning on the job about how to work with individuals across the aisle, if you will. And then lastly, and something that I was be, had been very passionate about for years, something we started working on my first month in office is the Francisco Reservoir in Russian Hill a four and a half acre piece of land that had not been used as a reservoir in over 60 years, been sitting there as concrete and chain link fence. And we negotiated and worked in countless days and hours and weeks and ultimately purchased that land from a public utilities commission. And we're going to turn it into a brand new four and a half acre park in the middle of Russian Hill. And that, that one project was the one project that I worked on the most in my first term and that we were able to actually get it done 
uh, in at the end of July was was very gratifying. Yeah, that's great. I, I play tennis at the the Alice Marble mm-hmm. Courts up there, and I I look down on that all the time, and it does seem like such a waste. So that's great news that it's going to be turned into a park. Yeah, the views from up there are spectacular. Unobstructed views on top of Ghirardelli Square, basically, um, except for the Fontana Towers, of course. The, the, they're still there as a uh, poking their head on the base of Van Ness. But, you know, it's going to be an amazing resource for the neighborhood, for the city as a whole, for our tourism industry, right cl- close to Fisherman's Wharf, on a cable car line. It's going to be pretty spectacular. Um, a very once, in, very much a unique and, a, and I believe a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, where else in San Francisco do we have four and a half acres that we're going to convert into a park? Mm-hmm. I mean, just that piece of property doesn't exist. And to think that it could exist inside of District 2 in particular... It's pretty unbelievable. Now, you just won re-election in November for your second term. Uh, You won with 80% of the vote. Um, So you must be doing something, right? Uh, When you look look ahead to your second term, uh, what are your top priorities? I guess your personal top priorities for San Francisco. You know, from my perspective, um, we're going to continue to focus very strongly in District 2. Um, there are neighborhood issues that crop up all the time that we'll deal with. And, and again, this isn't. these are the neighborhoods I grew up in that now I get to represent and my children are growing up in. So for me, I really do enjoy working on neighborhood issues and very local issues. We have a lot of big developments happening inside of District 2. We have CPMC is going to sell their California campus um, of their hospital on the other side of Laurel Village, UCSF is abandoning their Laurel Heights campus and selling it to a developer. Doyle Drive is coming down, or is down, and the Presidio Parkway is going in. And Venice, we're going to break ground on our bus rapid transit system next year. So we have a lot of very big projects that are happening inside of the district that, you know, it's it's very necessary to focus on and to prioritize, you know, shepherding those projects through, making sure na- our neighborhoods have a voice. Um, and then from a citywide perspective, kind of topical issues, I'm going to continue to focus on our homeless situation. Um, it's a big deal for everyone uh, in the city of San Francisco. Um, I think affordable housing and making sure that, you know, everybody has, a, has the ability to live in San Francisco. We don't want to make this a city just for the wealthy. Um, you know, we have really slipped in terms of having a middle class here in the city of San Francisco, and we need to define what that is. Uh, from a housing perspective, from a jobs perspective, but making sure you know that continues to be a priority. Even though we're doing really well, continue to focus on our economy. I mean, we, you know, people forget that just a few years ago, all we were talking about was jobs, jobs, jobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have problems now, but the problems were far worse when you couldn't put food on the table for your family. That that's way worse. Um, and so, continue to focus on our economy, um, and then a lot of a lot of infrastructure. Um, we see our roads being dug up on a daily basis, um, you know, whether it be sewer replacement or otherwise. And I think those are, that's a big concern to residents. And as we grow as a population, how are we going to continue to be able to move within the city and not have traffic jams all the time and so forth? Um, you know, to me, City Hall should really be focused on you know, what's it like for you to walk out of your door in the morning and whether you take Muni to work, whether you drive kids to school, um, whether you hop on a bus to one of the tech companies down south, what do you face in your everyday life and how can City Hall act to make life better? 
um, and improve your daily life. And those are the issues to me that I think I really want to focus, will continue to focus on, but I think matter as well to residents in their daily lives. So you mentioned you live in the Jordan Park neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to admit, when I first read that, I had to look that up. I wasn't exactly sure. Can you can you explain uh, where that is in the city and what you love about living in that neighborhood? Sure. Uh, quite frankly, when uh, ha even having been born and raised here, <laughs> when we looked at the house a number of years ago for the first time, I didn't know where Jordan Park was either. Uh, it's an area of town uh, right next to Laurel Village um, and right next to Presidio Heights. It's really the flatlands in between California and Geary and also bordered by Arguello and I believe Parker. Uh, it's a great neighborhood, um, wide streets, lots of families. It's great for us with three children. Um, it's relatively central um, within the city, has good public transportation and shopping. I think we've enjoyed Clement Street more than we ever thought we would before. Uh, so it's really been an amazing, a great experience. We love our neighbors. It's, it's, we're very fortunate to be where we are. Um, you know, I think it's technically part of the Richmond district. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we love it. We're very lucky. So when you think of, um, your favorite spots in the neighborhood, restaurants, parks, cafes, that sort of thing, what's some of your favorite spots? Wow. There's so many. <laughs> no, I think that's great uh, about district two as well. You know, whether from a kind of public space perspective, we have great parks, whether it be Alta Plaza or Lafayette Park that was redone or Moscone or Mountain Lake Playground we're starting to redo next year. Francisco Reservoir, we're gonna turn into a park. But we also have the Presidio. Yeah. And the beaches and all you know, the vast land that is the Presidio itself that the Presidio Trust administers. So we're very lucky with open spaces inside of District Two. Um, you know, especially with three small kids, we are there all the time, out and about, uh, as we should be and our kids are playing sports now and it's just a ton of fun. I coach all their, you know, a lot of their teams as just my wife. Um, so we're, we're very active and hands-on parents. Um, and so we're really lucky there, you know, in terms of shops and restaurants, I, you know, we have just such a great diversity. Mm -hmm. uh, I love going to Chestnut street still because it's, you know, although it's transformed so much, it's again, this, it was my local neighborhood street when I grew up. Um, and, but we, all, we have Union and Fillmore in Sacramento that have so much to offer that, quite frankly, we spend a ton of time on, whether it be at restaurants or shopping. Um, you know, the Marina Safeway is certainly the bigger uh, supermarket, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, in the area. But we're really lucky to think about the diversity of, you know, commercial experiences that we have in the district, uh, but also the amount of open space and I think kind of public space where families and others just recreate. Um, so it's, you know, it's, we're lucky, we're blessed. It's a very great part of town. Right. So I, I always end with this question. Um, if you had to move away from San Francisco, it doesn't sound like you're planning to do that anytime soon. No way. But let's, <laughs> let's say you had to, or maybe just temporarily for a year. Um, how would you spend your last day in the city? What's your perfect, your perfect San Francisco day? Well, that's a great question. Well, it would certainly be with my family, uh, my parents and my wife and three kids. Um, you know, I, I, great meals. Um, and I think, you know, quite frankly, spending, spending time, you know, not just w 
within District 2, but around the city of San Francisco where you've had such great memories and we'll continue to have them. Um, I don't think I have a particular place in mind. We'd, I'd say we'd ride a cable car, probably go down to Chrissy Field. Um, we love it there. Um, I grew up walking my dog on the, there and our children are there all the time now. You know, um, you know, eating at some of our favorite restaurants. Um, you know, the, we're so lucky as a city. I, I think sometimes we need to take a step back we have a lot of issues, certainly inside of City Hall, we debate issues of the day, if you will, and, and really what our vision is for, for the future. But when we take a step back, we have so much to offer as a city for everybody. And, I, and for me, I think the beauty of our city is in our different neighborhoods, personally. You know, whether it's the marina or Chinatown or the sunset or the mission, whatever floats your boat, that's the beauty of our, our city, and I, I do believe why people love living here and why people love visiting here, because it's so different in different parts of town. Um, but it's so San Francisco as well, and I think, you know, from my perspective, if I had one day, I'd want to experience as much of that diversity as possible, because um, I think it's the one thing that San Francisco offers above every other city, and we do it in such a great way. If you ever get the chance to meet Supervisor Farrell, I think you'll come to the conclusion pretty quickly that he's not your typical politician. He's just a very down-to-earth, friendly guy who's easy to connect with. He's accomplished a lot outside of City Hall before he was elected, and he brings that great perspective into the building. And like I said, he loves San Francisco, and I think that's what drives him to make this already great city even better. I live in District 2 and feel lucky that we have someone like Supervisor Farrell representing us. I can't wait to see what he does in his next term. Thanks to everybody for listening to the show. If you want to read more about Supervisor Farrell, you can go to my website. It's www.sfpeoplepodcast.com. From there, you can get a recap of the show and you can get links to Supervisor Farrell's website and his latest monthly newsletter, and all other kinds of information that we talked about on the show. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter. It's at SFPeoplePodcast. I would also love to hear your feedback, and you can do that in a couple of ways. First, you can get onto iTunes and leave a review there, or you can email me directly. It's frank at SFPeoplePodcast.com. Also, if you have an idea for a future show, please send me an email at that same address. I'd love to hear your ideas. We'll be back in a few weeks. I'm Frank Garza for San Francisco People.